Welcome to the Rural Insights Podcast, where we explore rural actions and policies that impact Michigan's Upper Peninsula and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you'd like to learn more about Rural Insights, visit ruralinsights.org. Now, here's your host, David Haynes. Good day, everyone. This is David Haynes again with another edition of uh, Rural Insights Podcast, uh, Whispers, Noise, and Rumors. And we're really delighted uh, today to have uh, Representative Preston with us uh, from the 108th House District. Uh, he, he, uh, his district is runs all the way up from Chippewa County on the east is all the way through Delta and uh, into Menominee Delta. And uh, it's a it's a, a pretty geographically large district. Is it the largest representative now in the UP? There's been some discussions, but I've I've been doing some measuring. I think I've got the largest geographic district, but yeah. uh, it's uh, it's it's close between myself and Rep. Marketing. Yeah, I, I thought so because he comes. I live in Big Bay, and I think he comes all the way down to Big Bay in Marquette County, the northern county. Well, thank you for joining us, and and uh, Brenna Musser is our student uh, researcher is joining us today, and she may or may not ask a question. I'll leave that up to her. Uh, and uh, she not only is a brilliant researcher, but she's a star soccer player at Northern Michigan University. So uh, we're delighted to have her. So, Representative, um, thanks. What is the what do you think are the top couple of issues to the people of the 108th, uh, just from a policy point of view of what's really important to them that that the state legislature could do? Just the overlying issues with me are, are, are really just trying to provide more opportunity. <clears throat> and whether that be through housing, jobs. And just you know, availability of a quality way of life up in the UP is something that I've I've been after, and I've I've, I've watched it its decline. You know, my mom was born and raised in in Menominee County and Stevenson in particular, so I've been coming to the UP my entire life, and I've watched as the decades have rolled on, just a, a continual decline, especially in the rural parts of of the Upper Peninsula, and you know, I think we all see the the shuttered up resorts, restaurants you know, sp- scattered all throughout the UP, especially in the district that I represent. And, you know, I've, you know, they, they designated the Billerud project, which, which I was involved in and I was happy to see it come to fruition as a Renaissance zone. And I really think we need to look at the UP as a whole as a, as a Renaissance zone that needs to be reinvigorated. I think the UP has so much potential um, that's untapped yet. And uh, I see it as a blank canvas. That's uh, that's really yet to be, uh, that's really yet to be painted. So uh, you you have a very diverse district. Uh, you have some very very rural areas, which every representative in the UP does. And you have some, if you will, metropolitan areas. Uh, certainly, Sault Ste. Marie and uh, Menominee and Marinette, that whole region uh, bordering over in Wisconsin, uh, is uh, really big. And and in uh, uh, in tourism tends to drive a lot of that. Uh, one of the issues, though, that we're, we're uh, whether it's 
rural or metropolitan that we've written a lot about is is uh, veterans. I'm a veteran. I'm an Air Force veteran, and and the issues that they have in rural areas and the the isolation and the difficulty of of life. Any any specific things with veterans in in your district or the UP that we could do that you think? Well, I was a two-term county commissioner in Menominee County, so our veteran affairs officer was was a big part of it. Um, my neighbors uh, were both, one was a Vietnam veteran, one was deployed in the Gulf. So, it, you know, the veterans, the veteran community in the UP is, they're there. Um, it's It's a little more difficult for them. I think in some ways the UP suits some and maybe inhibits others especially when it comes to accessibility to advanced care or, or needs that, that veterans with certain disabilities or, or PTSD may be suffering through. But, you know, in the UP, you do the best that you can with what you have. Um, and I see that, you know, in Menominee and Delta and Schoolcraft, you know, as I tour these counties, they're all doing the best that they can with what they have. Um, and I'll tell you, we're a community. The UP is a, it's, it's a place of community. And, and the, the one thing that I'm always impressed by is, is, is when somebody's in need, there's usually always somebody there, a neighbor to, to lend a helping hand. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, as you know, for veterans, that's very much true with, with, uh, uh, contact a buddy program and others where, Veterans helping, reaching out, watching for veterans with PTSD or other issues they may need help. That clearly is very true. Uh, and I think one of the other strengths is uh, that we have the Oscar Johnson Veterans Hospital in Iron Mountain and serves the whole UP. It's uh, one of the highest rated in the country. Uh, but we hear a lot about what you just said, isolation, isolation. Uh, uh, difficulty with with maybe uh, service related uh disabilities and and where to go for help when you're 180 miles from from someplace so uh uh what about issues uh do you hear much about child care we hear a lot about this where people saying you know I'm I could go to even if I go get a job I've got to pay more in child care than I do for my house payment for my rent, that it, and and even if I could afford it, the availability is childcare an issue in in the hundred eighth house district. Oh, definitely. You know, it was an issue before COVID, and I think post COVID, it, it it COVID really exacerbated. You know, to almost on an exponential level, as far as what I'm seeing. Um, that's a tough one. You know, when especially in our rural communities. Uh, Again, and and that's another aspect that here in Lansing, there's a lot of stuff that's going on and not a lot of stuff that's really getting down to the grassroots and going after some of these problems like you're bringing up with childcare. I'd love to be talking about that right now. Um, Unfortunately, that's just that's not on the agenda. Um, And with us being in minority in all in all three branches, the agenda is not we don't dictate the the agenda. The agenda is pretty much handed to us. So you take your wins and and uh, you fight the fight when you can. But that's definitely an area where I think more care, more more due regard needs to be paid attention to, um, and and just clearing 
clearing a lot of the the landmines and the and and the the walls that are in the way. You know, some of the the legacy childcare facilities. You know, they're they're really putting a pickle when it comes to current regulation. Um, and I think we got to have an honest look at at uh, childcare and and how to best handle it going forward. Um, and that's going to take some some dynamic thinking on a lot of people's parts. And it's you're right, and it's it's about also about regulation, state regulation, and federal regulation. Even if you can get people to do the care, then you've got to deal with all the regulation of somebody who's only going to take four kids. And that's really the hurdle is the regulatory reform that needs to happen, you know, to kind of clear some of these these headwinds that are preventing, you know, people from starting up like a, you know, a cottage style, you know, a child care facility, you know. So I look forward to the day when we can have those discussions. Right. But we're not there yet. Not there. What What are some of the issues you think are UP wide? I, I, I know veterans are and I know child care. Are there other issues as you look at the 108th and you talk to your colleagues from the UP that really are UP-wide issues that the legislature ought to be spending some head time on? You know, it's it's not only the legislature, but it's it's our, our local units of government. Housing's a big one. You know, I mean, we have uh, the UP is, as you drive through, we've, we've got a, an aging infrastructure when it comes to, to single-family homes. Um, and, you know, there's, there would definitely be many more people relocating to the UP if we had more housing availability. Uh, so I think housing and affordable housing going forward is a, is a key one opportunity, job growth, especially jobs and job availability on the, on the Eastern side. Um, I, I see the East, uh, you know, when you look at Marquette, Mar Marquette's, you know, thriving, so is. So is the Menominee area, and, and and to that extent, Escanaba and Delta. But when I when I look to the west, I see an area that is in desperate need. Where a couple of industries, if they lost them, um, they would really be, you know, in a bind up there. Um, and to have your all your eggs in one basket, like some of these some of these counties do, um, it's just you, you need to see them thriving better, more diverse you know, in the jobs market than what they have right now. Yeah, housing is a tough one to solve, isn't it? I mean, is it private sector driven? Is it public sector driven? Uh, what role can you do? Uh, it's, uh, and, you know, for a private developer, you're not going to build housing you can't make money on. I mean, it's, and that's just it, you know, it's, and it's exacerbated by the, the, the labor crisis and material cost. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, fair market value of some of these homes, you can't build them for the price that that you're going to need to to sell them for. I mean the 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 cost the cost to, to market value ratios are are completely skewed right now, just just due to to building material costs and our supply chains as as well as our labor costs. Our labor costs are through the roof um, because there's just not enough people out there to build these homes that we need. And it, you know you look out on the horizon and. I don't see any relief. You know, we're in a population contraction when it, especially when it comes to skilled trades. Yes, I, I I just read too the article. I think I put it in one of my columns. I think it's uh, it's over half the skilled trades community is over the age of forty five now. Uh, I think it's some it's a big number, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, and they're just not being replaced. Uh, 
Yeah, I used to own, for those of, of your listeners that don't know, I used to own Cedar River Plaza. So that's a truck stop. It's mm-hmm. right in between Escanaba and Menominee. Sure. And I, I can remember having several talks with, with truckers that I'm 57. So having several talks with truckers and we would talk about, boy, we, we really don't know when what's going to happen when when our demographic fully retires from the system. And, I, you know, I, I continue to have these conversations with with friends and 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 people here in Lansing, as well as back in the district um, that are similar to my age, anywhere from you know, 45, you know, to, to, to 60. And, and when that, uh, when that demographic retires, it's, it's, it's looking pretty tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's something that we need to be mindful of going forward. You know, I, I just attended an event at, at the union hall in, in Escanaba with, uh, 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 four kids that I think four kids that got, uh, um, apprenticeships, you know, in the trades. Sure. So, but we need more. Yeah, yeah, and and of course, in your district, you're fortunate. You have uh, Bay College with a trades program, uh, uh, serving a good part of the 108 makes a big difference. The other issue is, uh, and the last one I'll bring up to you is is healthcare uh, on your eastern, on your far eastern end in the Sioux War Memorial. After years of fighting to be independent. Did a, an arrangement with the University of Michigan Health System through Mid Michigan, uh, and uh, I've talked to the former administrator, who's a very good friend of mine, and made a huge difference in access to healthcare uh, coming up seventy five, and also telemedicine. Uh, but there's a there's a saying going around that the one thing you can't find in the UP is an ologist, a specialist. You can't find a dermatologist, uh, you can't find an endocrinologist, an oncologist. I know in Marquette, the oncology practice has one doctor. I think it had seven a year and a half ago. Uh, certainly that's true all over. Uh, people, and you know representing Escanaba, people uh, uh, go to Esca, go to Green Bay uh, to get health care uh, uh, often. What do you think we can do about Healthcare in rural areas. This really is a phenomenon across the country. A lack of specialists and and some of the issues we already talked about, housing and and childcare and things like that. But what are some of the things that the state of Michigan could be doing uh, to help rural healthcare? Well, just to set the stage, you know, for 15 years I've been a uh, uh, I've served on Mid County Rescue Squad as an EMT. And when I sold the, the station, I went back to school at Bay College and became a paramedic. That was just before the pandemic. So I, I ended up spending the last three years actually at, at uh, 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 Bay Hospital down in Marinette as sure. a hospital-based paramedic. So I spent about 60% of my time in the ER. So I, I got to see firsthand a lot of the stuff that you're referring to and the, the lack of ologists and, and, and the specialties especially pediatrics is they're, they're leaving the UP um, exponentially. In fact, I, not too long ago, there was a span of time and I'm sure Marquette uh, figured it out, but there, there wasn't a pediatrician, you know, and they're level two. Uh, Most of them are level three, level four critical care access points. And yeah, you're right. We do. uh, We rely on telemedicine for a lot of neuro interventions. um, And then we do a tremendous amount of transportation on the paramedic level 
down into Wisconsin, specifically Green Bay, Milwaukee, and Madison, depending on the specialty that's needed. Um, and I don't see that getting any better. You know, healthcare was in trouble going into the pandemic, and the pandemic um, really took a toll on all healthcare services from doctors to nurses to EMS. Um, it was both a physical, psychological toll, and the numbers of, of both EMS and, and medical professionals that I witnessed personally uh, retire was startling, to say the least. Going forward, we just have to continue to put more and more emphasis on making it desirable to practice in the UP, to practice medicine in general, because it's a nationwide shortage. It's not just exclusive to the UP. Um, there are shortages everywhere. So I, I don't see this getting any better. Um, but the one thing that that helps stabilize this phenomenon that we're in, and I think we're going to be in for a while, is the ability to transport to higher levels of care. Um, so, um, you know, right now I I, I just signed on to a, a bill package that that helps stabilize quality of life issues for for nurses on on patient to nurse ratios. Um, I think I, I I saw that firsthand as being a a big issue in our hospital as well as well as I I know it was happening because I was hearing stories from other hospitals. Um, just nurses, medics, doctors, just overwhelmed. Um. Because it, everybody thought that after the pandemic that that healthcare was going to get kind of a break, and quite the opposite happened. Uh, as soon as the mask came off and people let their guard down, we started to notice that there was a little bit of a of a, a lag effect on people's immune system, and and people actually got a little bit sicker, and we had a lot of coagulopathy issues, and and things are still things are still dicey, and I think this is going to be a tough summer. Um, but hopefully we work our way through that, and and like I said, we can get we can get healthcare realigned, bring quality of life back to the profession, and and try to start to shore up the ranks as things go forward. Yeah, I, I, I we had some research we put on our website uh, and in my column that talked about teachers and nurses leaving the profession in huge numbers, in just very big numbers for the reasons you just described. Um, one last, Brenda, do you have anything you want to ask? Actually, yeah, I have been holding on to a question. I didn't quite get a chance to jump in. Um, you were mentioning um, growing, UP-wide issues, growing the availability, job availability on the east side of the UP in contrast to Marquette and the western side of the UP, other cities. What kind of job availability, like specifically or specific industries, were you thinking about you would like to see grow? Boy, as an entrepreneur, you never you never know what's going to pop up. Just having that availability, giving put, putting policy in place that that allows an entrepreneur to invest and and for the state to not get in the way. And I can tell you, for someone that that bought a a truck stop that had been shut down for almost two years, um, pulled it out of bankruptcy and got it restarted. I noticed that that a lot of the issues that were that were preventing my success were bureaucratic related with the state of Michigan. So really just 
opening things up so that the entrepreneur and, and that private money, private equity can flow into, into some of these economically depressed zones. Um, and, and that's so one of the things that I've been thinking about is, is trying to uh, create renaissance zones where there's actually, you know, incentives to go in and invest into some of these communities and, and, and get things going, whether it be hotel, hospitality, you name it. Because a lot of those areas that I'm talking about um, have a great trail system as well as a tourism system, system during winter and summer. So I see a lot of ability there, but there's just not a lot of investment. I, right now, we're seeing some significant investment up in Munising, which I am... It, that gives me hope because when I see that, I see the ability across the rest of the eastern, you know, portions as well as some of the western portions um, up through Big Bay and things like that that have really been withering. So, really, just trying to get government out of the way so that that, that free market equity can flow into the area is what's the most important to me because a lot of these counties, they have all their eggs in in, in baskets like the prison system, healthcare, things like that, schools. Those are the major employers. And they're needed, um, local government, th these, those are all needed, but they shouldn't be the backbone of the economy. Uh, the backbone of the economy should be the private sector. So, and that's really what I'm, I'm looking to see happen in the UP. It, it, it's, it's almost an inversion when you think about it in the UP as far as who the primary employer is. Well, Representative, uh, thank you. Um, uh, I, the, um, I say to folks all the time that we ought to spend time thanking uh, people who run for, from local government to state representative uh, uh, to statewide office. It's a huge sacrifice uh, to you and your family uh, to try to serve democracy uh, and to serve the public good. So thank you very much for, for doing that and for taking time away from your family and business to, to serve. And, and thank you. Uh, for taking the time <laughs> to do this, to do this podcast. I thank you very much, and I hope you'll do it again with us soon. Oh, absolutely. Reach out anytime. Good deal. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Brenna, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, Representative. Thank Bye -bye. you for your time. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks, sir. You too. You've been listening to the Rural Insights Podcast. Brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you enjoy our content, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting ruralinsights.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.